Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You can tell a lot about a person by their clothing. Mark Twain once said, Clothes make the man. Naked people have little to no influence on society. Throughout this season of Advent, we're going to be talking about clothes and looking throughout the scriptures at some of the most famous stories that involve clothing and seeing how these stories, woven as they are throughout the Bible, ultimately point forward to the clothing of the King, Christ Jesus, our King, and the clothing that he provides for you and me through his life, his death, and his resurrection. And today, tonight, we're going to start in the garden with Adam and Eve, which might cause us to have to revise Mr. Twain's assessment about the impact that naked people might have. Because how are Adam and Eve when we find them in the garden? They're in their birthday suits, right? They are naked, which of course they always had been. God didn't make them and and dress them from the time that they were created. They'd always been naked, but they hadn't recognized it, hadn't realized it. The idea of being naked, it wasn't a thing. You just were. And in fact, we're told a little bit earlier in Genesis, in Genesis 2.24, that man and wife were naked and unashamed. Naked and unashamed. And that phrase is carrying a lot of weight there. See, before sin entered into the world, there was no sense of of shame, of guilt. There was no sense of of separation or isolation between one another as humans, also between humans and God. They were naked and they were unashamed. But with that first bite of forbidden fruit, all manner of rotten fruit enters into the world. And we get a taste of it just in this text that we heard this evening, right? They take that bite of that first fruit, and straight away, what do we see Adam doing? He's hiding. Why is he hiding? He's afraid. Here comes God. God says to him, wait a second, what are you doing? Why are you hiding? Where are you? Well, I hid because I was naked. And God's like, why do you even know what it means to be naked? Fear is part of that rotten fruit of sin entering into the world. And not only that, but we see also that separation that separation from between God and human beings, but also between human beings from one another. Because God says, well, wait a second, how did this happen? And Eve is like, well, you know, the serpent, he deceived me and I ate. And Adam's like, it's Eve's fault. Jesus, you gave her to me, right? Straight away, pointing fingers, blame, guilt, fear, all of this rotten fruit from the forbidden fruit that they took that bite from. So what do they do? What do they do in their newfound nakedness? (laughs) They weave together some insubstantial loincloths from the fig leaves to try and cover themselves up, to try and cover up what's been lost. And the question that I want to ask for you and me tonight is this. What are your loincloths? What are your loincloths? What are the the things that you look to to try and cover up your own sense of sin, of guilt, of shame? Because we all do it. We all try to make some flimsy, insubstantial covering. And there's different ways. There's, There's different strategies that people do. For some folks, it's 
simply self-deception. They just try to keep telling themselves, nope, I'm actually not so bad, and that, that stuff that's gnawing at me, that, that that call of conscience in my heart is saying that, oh, no, that's, that's bad. No, we just try to quell it, to quiet it, to cover it up. Psalm 36 says that we flatter ourselves in our own eyes. It's one loincloth that you might use. Some self-deception, doubling down on the deceit. But for others of us, you know, it's simply busyness. It's distraction. If I can just kind of keep myself sufficiently busy, going, 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 doing, 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 then I never have to face that thing within me, that sense within my soul that something isn't right, the ways in which I'm not enough, in which I have failed, rather than turning to the Lord and seeking His forgiveness and His covering. Instead, we try to make those loincloths just of distraction and busyness. And for others still, and this perhaps is a special temptation for, for those of you who come out on a Wednesday night to a church service. It can be moralism. If I can just be sufficiently religious, sufficiently moral, that too can be a loincloth that I can cover up. If I can be a really good person, or at least better than that schmuck next door, <laughs> then I can cover up that guilt, that failure, that shame. But do any of those loincloths actually work? Scripture is very clear on this point. And let me share with you from Hebrews chapter 4, some of the most fearsome words in all the Bible. No creature is hidden from God's sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. None of our coverings work. Every single soul before the throne of God is naked and exposed. All of those skeletons we think that we can keep in the closet, God knows each and every one of them. Those secrets that you might like to hide from other people, if not from yourself, God knows. He knows it all. We can't cover up from Him. That's why. That's why it's such glorious Wondrous good news, what God does next with Adam and Eve. Because you think about it, by rights, what could God do in that moment? Well, he's already told them, on the day that you eat of it, you shall die. So he could just, boom, drop them dead right there. Or maybe he says, no, you know what, I'm going to give you a stay of execution, but I'm going to kick you out, buck naked, out of the garden, into a cold, unkind world. Good luck, suckers. He could do that, and it would be just for him to do so. But instead, God shows mercy. And what does he do? Maybe you caught it. It's this little detail right at the, the end of the text as we read it tonight. God himself is the first tailor. He clothes Adam and Eve. God himself clothes them. He casts away those insubstantial loincloths. He says, let me give you something sturdier, leather. He clothes them with skins, which tells us something else. God had promised that on the day that you eat of this, you shall surely die. Well, they don't die, at least not physically, not in that moment. But there was a death. Some animal had to shed its blood on that day, had to sacrifice itself so that Adam and Eve could have their nakedness covered up. And already here, 
God is pointing forward to the clothing that he is going to provide for you and me. Not just some temporary covering for Adam and Eve, but he is going to provide that eternal clothing that covers all of our shame, all of our unrighteousness, all of our guilt. The eternal clothing that he provides to us in that greater sacrifice of his own son. His son who sheds his blood in order to clothe you and me with his pure, perfect, spotless righteousness. So that now, when you and I come before the throne of God, when we come before his judgment seat, we don't have to come with fear and uncertainty and apprehension. You don't have to hide yourself from him or try to fashion some loincloth for yourself because instead, God has you covered. He has you covered in his son, in Christ Jesus. Scripture tells us, we read it from Galatians chapter 3, that all of you who are baptized into Christ have put on Christ like a garment. You are clothed in him. So that sense of shame and guilt that you and I have inherited from Adam and Eve, now it can be covered up. It has been covered up in Jesus. Come what may. Because when you go out into this world, you go out into your day-to-day life and you have to face the ugly reality that you and I, that we still keep failing and we keep looking and seeking for all those little loincloths. We need some stronger protection. And that's what you have in your Lord. I remember that when our family moved up north here, that uh, I was reading books on how do you survive up north, right? Especially as you get into the winter. And I remember coming across this mantra. I think it goes back to Scandinavia, and maybe some of you know it. And the mantra, the motto is this. There's no bad weather, only bad clothing. Any of you ever hear that? There's no bad weather, there's only bad clothing. Well, you might say, I don't know if that's true. I think there's plenty of bad weather, actually. (laughs) Be that as it may. When it comes to your relationship with the Lord, when it comes to your life of faith, it's true. There's no bad weather. We can't control all the circumstances of our life. We can't control the things that happen out in the the world, all the weather that surrounds us. But you have something even beyond all of our controlling. You have the grace of God given to you in Christ Jesus. So that now, clothed in him, come what may, whatever pushback, whatever difficulties, whatever failures you might encounter out there, In here, in our Lord, you are clothed in him. Better than any weatherproof, waterproof, Gore-Tex, you name it. You have been given it in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. That's what you have in him. You are clothed. You are baptized. You are forgiven. Brothers and sisters, God has got you covered. Amen. And may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding in Christ keep your hearts and minds in him. Amen.